Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this, it's Sunday School Bonanza, bringing you gospel doctrine, help, and assistance. And this week we're joined by the sole female co-host of Sunday School Bonanza, who is bringing it and bringing it strong, Patricia Oxdeer. Hello. Hello. We're so happy to have her. And she always says hello in such a pleasant way like that. Hello. I'm not making fun. I'm, <laughs> I'm envious. Now we have two female co-hosts. Of Yeah. Thank you for that. So, uh, okay. I'm not going to say what the lesson is just yet. You ready for this? Okay. I'm going to list three things, and then you're going to guess what on earth I'm talking about. I love Or where do these things occur? Okay, ready? One, the doctrine of baptism for the dead. Two, temple endowments were first performed. Three, the Relief Society was organized. I don't know. Where Where do these things occur? Where could these things have occurred? They occurred in Lesson 29, Building the Kingdom of God in Nauvoo, Illinois. Patricia, that is where they occurred. So we're going to be talking all about uh, Nauvoo, when the Saints went to Nauvoo. But for some backstory, remember last week we talked all about the Liberty Jail, of course. And so... Yeah, so while Joseph Smith is in Liberty Jail, um, Governor Boggs kicked us out of Missouri. Thanks a lot, Governor Boggs. And um, the responsibility fell to Brigham Young, who was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve, to figure out what to do. So to escape the persecution, they crossed the Mississippi River and came into Illinois. Um, So the first place they settled was in Quincy. And then later when Joseph Smith um, got out of Liberty Jail, they moved to the small village of Commerce. um, Mm -hmm. Because when... I feel like they they went to this swampy, disgusting place because they were trying to find a place that no one could possibly want. And so they began draining the swamp, uh, planting crops, building homes. And of course, um, this place became this um, beautiful city that they called uh, Nauvoo. And Joseph Smith says, the name of our city Nauvoo is of Hebrew origin and signifies a beautiful situation or place carrying with it also the idea of rest. Um, so, so they just established this beautiful place and a lot of really important things happened in Nauvoo. And eventually it became the second largest city in Illinois. Right. And, you know, it was a very, it was a a big town. I mean, that's respectively, it makes me wonder how small Chicago really was back then and to (laughs) to put it in perspective. But, Mm -hmm. uh, um, I've never been to Nauvoo and obviously this day and age it's different. I think you have, right? Yeah. Nauvoo's awesome. Is it? Outside, I'm sure, is there just an old core of church historic stuff? And then is the rest of it just kind of your typical whatever Midwestern town? Yeah, it's a, the, the actual city of Nauvoo that's not the recreational village is pretty small. Yeah. Um, but they they do have a great donut shop, which I went oh. to. But is it a whole village that they have basically now? I mean, is it multiple streets? Well, they... Uh, a town crier? I mean, is it that kind of thing? <laughs> well, they have the recreational part of Nauvoo that um, has the rebuilt temple, which is just stunning. Yeah. But then uh, the, there's a there's a real city of Nauvoo. Of course. That's not It's like Colonial Williamsburg and Williamsburg. Yeah. 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 Okay. The city of Nauvoo is not as big as the city of Williamsburg. No, Williamsburg has roller coasters and good and restaurants and... And a college. And, and Oh, yeah, William and Mary. All right, so lots of good things happened in, uh, in Nauvoo, like we said. And one of the best things was missionaries. We've talked about different periods of missionary work in the church throughout these lessons in the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, but one of these big ones happened in Nauvoo because this was really when a lot of people were, I want to say galvanized, really strengthened in the Lord to carry out really important missions of the, uh, of the gospel. Great examples here, Wilfred Woodruff, who would go on to be, of course, the fourth president of the church. And as a young lad... Uh, when he was 
at this point in the 12 and at this stage in the church, of course, even members of the 12 were called to serve missions. They were not just uh, hanging around, taking care of affairs and just delegating stuff. They were actually out there preaching and, and being gone for many, many years at a time. So th- there's this cool story. He was in England teaching a, a very receptive group of people, but then he felt the Spirit tell him to tell the people that this would be the last meeting he would hold with them for a little while. And he says that, he says, I was astonished at this as I had had many appointments out in the district. And when I arose to speak to the people, I told them this was my last meeting that I would have with them for many days. They were as astonished as I was. And then at the close of the meeting, four people came to be baptized. And then he said, you know, the next morning he went in secret before the Lord and the Lord sort of revealed to him his will. He said to go south and there were many waiting for his words. So he traveled for two days and he, he was in a, Herefordshire. I probably said that wrong, but he stumbled upon the farm of the Benbows and they, they let him in. And it turns out the Benbows were just two people in a group of 600 men and women who called themselves the United Brethren. And the United Brethren, as Wilford Woodruff describes it, were searching for light and truth, but had gone as far as they could and were calling upon the Lord continually to open the way before them and send the light and knowledge that they might know the true way to be saved. So it's really cool. And I love some of these old pioneer stories of people who desperately sought the truth through honest study of the Bible. And then they meet a missionary like Wilford Woodruff and say, this has everything we've been looking for. This has the authority that we realize has been lost. And so of course, all, as it turned out, all but one of uh, these individuals was baptized. I believe most of them eventually made the trek to the U.S. And I also kind of like the parallel here. If you remember Wilford Woodruff's conversion story, one of my favorite old seminary videos, uh, he also sought the truth in a very similar fashion, reading a lot of the works, asking various preachers, and finding things wrong. He knew there had to be baptism, but he knew there had to be apostles and prophets. And one of the things that turned on Wilford Woodruff to the gospel uh, was the understanding of modern revelation. And I think it's really cool that then he got to experience something very, very similar in the people that he taught uh, out in the mission field. And so you see a lot of examples of this from people who were out in Nauvoo. And as time went on, uh, for goodness sake, uh, the missionaries in, in Britain especially baptized seven to 8,000 converts, passed out. They printed 5,000 copies of the Book of Mormon. Uh, thousands of people emigrated then to the United States. And without those European immigrants back then, the church we possibly would have floundered. I mean, the strength that the, the British immigrants brought to the saints elsewhere was it should not be underestimated. It was a huge episode in the period of the church. Right. So, yeah. So, oh, yes, I forgot. I'm doing the next part. I'm, I'm going to gloss over the third section here because it's basically a bunch of stories from Doctrine and Covenants, section 124. I encourage you to read through that on your own. Uh, it just talks about promises and instruction to various members of the church. Uh, it wouldn't really serve us to go over them in detail right now. But uh, definitely read through those things. And we see countless times what the Lord promises to those who are willing to sacrifice and to serve the Lord and, and put in their their best efforts and get stuff done, especially in uh, Doctrine and Covenants 124.15, which I believe is a revelation to Hiram Smith. And it's great because he says, And verily I say unto you, Blessed is my servant Hiram Smith, for I the Lord love him because of the integrity of his heart and because he loveth that which is right before me, saith the Lord. And I like that, the integrity of heart. And the sad thing is, of course, you know, at this point, uh, we're going to be reaching the martyrdom Right. relatively soon at this mm-hmm. stage in the game. So it's pretty awesome. But what I love here um, is we ease into the final section. Now, the lesson says to the teacher, if you're the teacher, you are supposed to find a Relief Society president and have her come in with the mantle of Relief Society with all the keys that she does not hold and say, why are you looking at me funny? There's no keys. I'm just kidding. But the point is, 
I want a Relief Society president. What's that, Patricia? Say it to the class. I see you mumbling things. I just don't know where we're going to find ourselves a Relief Society president. I don't know president. either. But I believe Patricia is a standing Relief oh, Society president. Oh, that's me. So she's going to tell us all about the Relief Society and how wonderful it is. So the Relief Society was one of um, the awesome things that came out of Nauvoo. And it actually came... I really like the beginning of um, how the Relief Society started because it actually started with the temple, which is... Um, fitting because Relief Society is there to bring us closer to our families and help us um, work on our temple covenants. How did that start in the temple? I, I honestly don't know. So the uh, when the Nauvoo Temple was organized, of course, you know, the Saints didn't have a ton of money and a lot of the right. Nauvoo Temple was built out of sacrifice, out mm-hmm. of, you know, people's plates. We heard those stories. Now, one woman, um, Granger, Sarah Granger Kimball, wanted to help and so what she did is she hired a seamstress uh margaret cook to make clothes for the men working on the temple and so um sarah's neighbors heard that they were doing this and wanted to help so they were donating cloth and money and time so the sisters decided to formally organize a group eliza r snow wrote a constitution and presented it to joseph smith and said this is awesome i'm gonna make it even more awesome and i'm gonna we're gonna officially organize it so they officially organized it um into the nauvoo female relief society and Joseph Smith promised them that they would instru- uh, receive instruction through the order of God. Um, so this society, um, they had a committee that visited the poor, assessed their needs, and solicited donations to help them. One of my favorite stories about Relief Society um, is actually shared in um, Daughters in My Kingdom. I love this yeah. story because it's talking about um, um, later on when the women in Utah... Um, they were there when the prophet um, Brigham Young at the time asked the saints to go to the aid of the Hancourt pioneers. You, uh, you might've heard this story, Jeff. Okay. Um, And what I love is that he called them and he said, we need your help. And um, my favorite line is that they said in their poverty, they filled their wagons with all they could spare. Um, They dropped their petticoats. They donated their stockings, everything that they had on them, they gave. And I think that's a wonderful um, illustration of what the relief society is supposed to be for. Um, I know, um, when my mom joined the church, she was the only one in her family um, that went. And um, when she got married, it was the Sisters of Relief Society that threw her um, her wedding reception. Uh, they helped her organize everything. Um, and then uh, my father wasn't yet a member. And the Sisters of Relief Society really helped give her a home and a place of refuge. And... Um, so because of that, I've always loved the Relief Society of what it truly can be. You know, it's it's more than the third meeting of church, and it's really a sisterhood um, of women who have committed to love and serve and support one another. So I really love the Relief Society, and I'm really grateful to Nauvoo that it could be the starting place. It's such a great organization. Yeah, and I think something I love about it is that it actually came out of the efforts and the thoughts of groups of women and it was then sanctioned by the prophet. It wasn't like Joseph Smith received a revelation in Doctrine and Covenants that said, and you will establish a house for the sisters to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, It's great to see that we can all receive revelation and do things. And of course, 
as long as it, as long as the Lord approves through his servants and through whatever other means, and we keep going with it. And I, too, have seen amazing things from the Relief Society in my day. I mean, my parents got divorced when I was relatively young, and I saw countless times how much the Relief Society sisters came to mm-hmm. help my mom pick up the slack when, when she couldn't do it all on her own, being a working mother and stuff like that. And I hope, and I'm sure that many of you have seen the same things. And it's one of the most, I think, cherished and uh, venerable organizations that we have in the church. Honestly, I mean, we joke that in Elders Quorum, we're all bored and don't do anything. Then in Relief Society, you have your, your, uh, your displays. I'm blanking on the term right. Centerpieces. Your centerpieces and your tears and your singing and stuff. But if we did that in Elders Quorum, oh, we'd be so much better off. I mean, honestly. All we do is play on our tablets and just <laughs> be bored. It's sad, really. We're, we have the priesthood. We should be more amped up about things to help and serve. So I, I greatly admire the women for the, the great efforts they put in. So uh, here's the beginning of the Nauvoo period. A lot of cool stuff's happening. And mm-hmm. there'll only be in Nauvoo for a little while, unfortunately. Obviously, the things we have to look forward to are the construction of the temple in Nauvoo. Um, but then, unfortunately, we'll have the martyrdom of Joseph Smith and then eventually the exodus from Nauvoo. And then finally, the saints will eventually find permanent refuge, of course, in Mexico for all but a year until the United States wages unconstitutional war against Mexico to take the territory from them. But that's another lesson for another time. Am I right? Wah, 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 yes. wah, wah. All right, folks. So uh, please find us at thisweekinmormons.com. Shoot us an email. Contact at This Week in Mormons. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, iTunes. So many wonderful things. And that's going to be it for this lesson number 29, Building the Kingdom of God in Nauvoo. Illinois. We want to greatly thank Patricia for taking the time to be with us this week. Thanks for having me, guys. Hope, uh, please send her your love if you listen to the show and have her personal contact information, or just send us an email and we'll pass it along. Anyway, folks, we hope you have a great Sunday and that this is useful. This has been Sunday School Bonanza, a This Week in Mormons production, wishing you a great Sabbath. Bye-bye.